All right. You don't spend as much time on social media as I do. And so I think that this trend will be new to you. I'm saying this facetiously because I know you, but the, yeah. the viewers don't, listeners don't. Are you familiar with like fantasy drafting? I mean, in sports, absolutely. Right. right? Like, okay. And, and I, I get that it's it's a concept that applies in other places right like yeah you yeah. can have your fantasy draft of superheroes for an you know right like for like a team v team for a thing. team yeah 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 so i've seen on tiktok here and there people doing like pick five draft your like x whatever and yeah. then you leave it up to the masses for yeah. Who wins? So, mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, I asked you to come up with your top ten uh, Nintendo properties because we're going to be doing our draft of top five. Oh, you, you case, versus me, top five? Yes. Well, this yes. is very the drafting is very different than my personal top five because all of a sudden there's game theory involved. <laughs> God. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Like, what to like, tell can, can can I? <laughs> okay, I'll give my personal top five at the end, but I do want to do this draft because I think now you've unleashed a competitive spirit in me. Like, I think I can. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm like, can I? Can I? You know, let this one go. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and that's that's like that's like the fun back and forth of it. Now, on top of that, we're not going to, it's not like we're going to be doing like commercial success as like the winner. It's really just going to be like gentleman's bet who we think has the better roster. But yeah, and that's totally fine. But yeah. anyway, I had this idea and I thought it'd be fun to do. Mm-hmm. So, also, second of all, yeah, we are recording three days after your birthday. So, happy birthday. Thank you. We are recording. 14 days after your birthday. So happy birthday. Hey, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So with that said, as your elder and for one, for part of your birthday present, I'm going to let you go first. Oh, wow. (laughs) Oh shit. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. So who's your first pick for a Nintendo property draft? My first pick because I'm drafting against you. My first pick is smash brothers. You're such an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great pick. Great pick. Great pick. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Metroid Mm. for my number one. Great counter pick. We are metaing this hard. Yeah, we are. (laughs) I mean, it's a great fucking series. It's funny because, like, I didn't play much of the 2D Metroids, but I loved the Primes. Yeah. And I know, I I believe you're, like, kind of the opposite as far as experience. Yep. You've done a lot of the 2Ds. All right. Yes. What's what's give me give me your give me your second. I think second I've played pick. almost every. If you inc- include metro, uh, remakes as basically you played the original, Playing the original. Yeah, I've played every Metroid game. There aren't. That's many. awesome. There are. There are. <laughs> there are three primes: Metroid One, Two, Super Metroid, and Fusion. And then, uh, and, and then, zero and, mission and, and dread. Well, zero mission is a remake of one. Samus Returns is a remake of two. 
Ah, okay. So that's because those are, I know yeah. those are the two that you have played. Yeah. 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 Well, Metroid 1 and Metroid 2 are the ones I haven't played, but I played the remakes yeah. of both. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. This is a tough pick here. Mm. I'm going to go Zelda. Oh, you bitch. Yeah. I mean, well, we're getting the classics out of the way. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a great, great pick. Damn. Okay, I gotta keep. Uh, you know, consider. Okay, Avengers have the big three. Justice League has the big three. Anime has the big three. I gotta. I'm gotta go. Super Mario. Wow! I thought I could get you to take Pokemon here, and I would be able to wheel Super Metroid. <laughs> super greedily. Or, I mean, no. Super Mario. Super greedily. Yeah. Damn, all my strategy is ruined. (laughs) I I have Mario number one on my personal. (laughs) And and I was looking at this and I was like, what would he take? What would he take? He would definitely take Pokemon over Metroid. Over Mario. Over Mario? Yeah. You know, if we were doing this same competition three years ago, I might have. Really? What, I've fallen a little bit oh. out of love of with Pokemon. That's too Primarily bad. because I didn't play Sword and Shield. Yeah. That is the first generation of Pokemon that I didn't play. Same. Well, again, if you include remakes, because I played Heart Gold, Soul Silver, but not. Ah. Uh. <laughs> I, play, I did not play Heart Gold and Soul Silver. I played yeah. Gold and Silver mm-hmm. and Crystal. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, oh, man. Give this me your is number terrible. three. Well, I got to go Pokemon now. You do, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thank God we're not doing commercial success because that's you, you win. Yep. <laughs> their, their stock price, if they have one, must be through the roof right now because Ash just became world champion. Oh, that's right. In the anime. Good for him. Yeah, congratulations, Ash. He wanted to, to be the very best. Years. Now like the no one best. ever was for the yeah. last 25 years mm-hmm. and hasn't aged a day. <laughs> What's his skincare routine? Huh? Anyway. All right, so my number three. This is where it gets a little tricky. Yeah, we took care of the big names. Mm-hmm. So my number three, honestly, I'm looking at personal claim and time and nostalgia. I'm going with GoldenEye. Well, that's you, you it's count, rare. Yeah. But it was on Nintendo 64. Okay. See, I was going all, I guess it, that was kind of second party, right? Like, right. Yeah. Okay. I can I can do I can do a different one. If we're not in full agreement that these that that is a valid I would play. say because it's an a, I would say anything else that rare made that was like exclusive would mm-hmm. work but because that was a uh like licensed from another property. So like a Banjo-Kazooie would be okay. Yeah, I would say Banjo-Kazooie would be okay. I hear you. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. No golden eye. No golden eye. Then I'm going to go with. Well, let's see if you'll. Okay. Yeah. This is. These are. This is where it gets tough. How about. Will you give me Battletoads? Uh, I didn't know that. It's not a mascot, <laughs> but they were on what, Super Nintendo. Yeah. But I mean, they're on like Xbox now. Oh, yeah, oh but it is rare, and it was, um, sure. I'll give. I mean, <laughs> I don't value that highly as a pick. So yeah, yeah, that's go, fine. Go ahead. I love it. me some battle dudes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
That's my number three. Give okay. me number four. For the memes, I gotta go Star Fox. Well played. Yeah. Well I played. Just, Star Fox 64 yeah. was a lot the, of hours. That was probably the first game that I ever 100 percented. Mm. You know, just like mm-hmm. of my own skill and all of that as a kid. Mm-hmm. And that was like, I was so stoked for it to come out. And that was like one of the right. first games that I was like, you know, looking at screenshots before it came out and like so excited, like, oh my God, these graphics. And and now like it's become such a meme, like every piece of voice acting in Star Fox 64 is just like an infinitely uh, quotable dude. line. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't let you do that, Star Fox. Andros, Andros is order to, to take you down. <laughs> Andros's enemy is my enemy. enemy. <laughs> oh, great choice! Great choice. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of thin as a franchise. Like there have been a lot of very bad games there, but <laughs> yeah, strictly well, yeah. Star Fox. But 64. we have played them. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. There is yep. time and memory yep. with it. Okay. I'm going to go for my number 4. I'm going to I'm going to play Donkey Kong Country. Nice. Or Donkey Kong. Yeah. Series. Classic. Not on my list because I just didn't play them, but I know that yeah. these are universally extremely highly regarded games. I feel like the internet is going to agree with you here. Great. I mean, great memories playing Donkey Kong 64 though. Oh my god. <laughs> Talk about the memes. Getting a hundred and one percent completion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was the first game we got 101% on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this was before the internet. Well, I guess there's game facts, but yeah. That wasn't entirely helpful. <laughs> All right. Last All right. choice. Last choice. This is gonna be a curveball. The internet's gonna hate this pick, but I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pull from my own personal list here since this is the last pick and I'm not game theorying you anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go pick cross. Oh, what the, Oh, Nintendo published. If you look yeah. at my like hours spent mm-hmm. on my switch and my DS, uh, the cumulative hours of pick cross is higher than any other series of games in you know that i've played in the last 10 years Mm. yeah that's a great that's a that's a good choice (laughs) like i'm sitting here being like oh because like i don't consider it a a nintendo property but like right and that's my tension that's my tetris right right (laughs) yeah yeah that's a great choice that's a good choice i'm down for that yeah and and it is is nintendo published it's nintendo yeah they've been making cross games ever since the game boy I'm torn. I, I guess. I guess. I guess. I just have like honorable mentions, but like, yeah. I don't know what I want for my for my number five. It's like, do I go for shit that I've grown up on and mm-hmm. still have a place in my heart, or do yeah. I go for the edge lord internet clout to try to get me edge me out the wind? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I gotta go. Okay, I gotta go for me. I gotta go. I'm I'm going Kirby, Kirby's yes. Dreamland. Yeah, that whole series. Yeah, I've only played like half of his games, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just love Kirby so much. Yeah, that was the one that you could have wheeled forever against me. I was I, I've never no. I played one Kirby game. I think mm. I played it on the DS. It was fun. 
Yeah. Kirby's yeah. great. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's as hard as Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> I don't know. Super Mario is hard as fuck. I'm not now. Okay. Yeah. Not now. <laughs> like, like playing as an adult is, yeah. is like the main, like mm-hmm. new Super Mario Brothers, like you, when you and I would play, like, oh, yeah. just like pick it up and just like an hour would go by and we've gone through like two worlds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kirby's not much harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, it's just he's, he's classic. He was my main in the first Super Smash Brothers. Like, it's 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 a, it's a it's a fun pick. But yeah, that not not bad, not bad, not, not bad. bad, not bad of a draft. I oh, ended man. up with one when my number two, number four, number five, number six, and number seven on my personal list nice. for my draft. Yeah, nice. My approach allowed me to split off titles. So, like, there's a Super Mario series, but then there's also like Mario Tennis, yeah, Mario I Kart. Would, I, w- I would choose those as separate, also. So, yeah. like, so I was I was heavily leaning towards Mario Kart. Mario Kart, it was that that that's on my list. Yeah, it probably yeah. should be higher on my list than where I put it. But yeah, right. But like, I don't know. It's the d- the days of hot seating is just not around anymore. Can couch couch multiplayer? Yeah, yeah. I feel I feel like again, if we'd done this list ten years ago, yep. Mario Kart might have been higher. Yeah, I agree with that. Although I found some Mario Kart resurgence just during the pandemic, playing with friends and mm. stuff like that. Just having right. a, like a, a casual, well, more casual game to play multiplayer, like. You know, Rachel can yeah. play and all that. And yeah, mm-hmm. have a good time. All right. Can I give you my my full top 10 list? Please do. Number one, Mario. Mario, yeah. It was my it was my first video game, right? Super Mario Brothers for the or Super Mario World for the for the Super Nintendo. Super Mario 64. Actually, that was probably the first game that I 100%ed, right? It got a whole, we got a whole, all 120 <laughs> stars in a weekend. Multiple and, times. Yeah, <laughs> handed it back to the cartridge owner. He's like, what the fuck? Oh my gosh. I know. Dude, we were too good at that game. And like, Mario Maker is like the, the most content I'll, I've watched of anything you know, like of yeah. people playing and it's just endlessly fascinating to me. I will watch all the Mario maker and Mario ROM hacks. And it it's just like the perfect starter pack for like, I want to like expressing game ideas and mechanics. It's like, it's mm. like Lego, right? Like, yeah, you, absolutely. You, ha- you have this like fun, fundamental, essence of video game and you can just pour ideas into it and like there are people making troll levels in, in mario maker <laughs> and like super hard kaizo levels and like puzzles and all of these things like they're turning uh they, you know they turn it into like a metroidvania game where you have progressive power-ups yeah. you know like yeah there's just all of the you just have this like core concept of a game engine that can just express anything and it's my childhood. I, you know, pick, picked up like Odyssey and just like that was right. You know, like my everything. So Mario's number one. Okay. Number number two is Smash for me, mm-hmm. and particularly the. I feel like because of our friendship, 
and mm-hmm. what it means for our friendship. Like I, especially like during the years when like late high school or like when I was in college, we didn't have like a lot in common, <laughs> you know, know. We we're kind of like, we were <laughs> yeah. kind of like branching off and like exploring our own, you know, different ways of being a person and all that. But like our friendship was still really important to both of us. And the one thing that we could always do is just hang out and play hours and hours and hours and hours of smash. Play way too much smash. And, mm-hmm. and that is just like, that means so much to me that that vault smash into number two for me. That's, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, Smash was my number one <laughs> yeah. for, for very much the same reasons. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you fucking took it from me. You're such an ass. <laughs> ah, well played, well played, well played. I got your number one, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, you also got my number three. My number three was Metroid. Metroid, yeah. And yeah. It's I feel funny. like you have a closer relationship to Metroid than I do. I do. And I honestly, if I'm being completely rational... It should probably be below Zelda. Zelda are consistently mm. better games. There's more entries in the series. There's, but Metroid, like I always want Metroid to be better than it is, and it it's like I don't know. Metroid is number two in game content that I've spent the most hours watching. Super Metroid speedruns are just art. They're just beautiful, mm. and I just love watching it. Zelda number four consistently. I mean, now that they're course correcting, I, I feel like a lot of the 3D Zeldas, they were kind of just doing it wrong, like Skyward Sword, Twilight Princess. Like, those were not very great games, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but, but we also got Hyrule Heroes or Hyrule Warriors. <laughs> yeah. What a, what a, what a meme game. <laughs> and, and the randomizers for Ocarina of Time and Link to the Past are my other favorite. Like that's the trifecta of content for me to watch, and Zelda's like the one series where a, a new a new game comes out, and I will play it immediately. Like right. I don't know, like Mario Odyssey, I waited a couple of years, you know. Oh, Metroid, I, I played immediately, but you know, like yeah, Metroid, it, there, there's not much. <laughs> that's not saying much. They come out with a game every seven years or so, <laughs> right? <laughs> Pokemon mm-hmm. is my number five, and it's just, you know, enormous part of my childhood. Absolutely. Every few years, I get that itch to play some Pokemon again. And look at that. It just happens to coincide with another they're one's putting coming a out. new generation. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same game every time, but you know what? It's a good formula. I love those yeah, little monsters. It's not broken. Yeah. The like Eevee shit, I'm not. I'm not really. I never sold yeah. in on, and the breeding. I never yeah, really sold yeah. in on. Yeah, well, I don't. I like the game doesn't hold my interest long enough to like play it competitively. Mm-hmm. But I, I like all the monster designs. I want to see what's everywhere, and you know. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 good. It's it good games. Lots of fun. Star Fox. I had number six. Already talked about it. Pick cross number seven, already talked about it. Number eight is a bit of an ambitious pick. It probably also ought to be a lot lower. I put Xenoblade. I see. Oh, I knew you were going to have that on there. And I was like, cool, free, free draft, free yep. draft. Don't yep. even worry yep. about it. Yep. I don't have yep. to think about it. Yep. We're good. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I've only played one and a half of the 
of the Blade Xenoblade mm-hmm. games, but you know they're tangentially related to Xenosaga and Xenogears, which I loved. Also, games I feel like I have this comes up a lot. A lot of games where like I want this to be better. Like there was a lot of Xenoblade Chronicles One that I just didn't like. Like. I feel like mm. I I probably sunk more hours of non-enjoyment into that game compared to like most games I've ever played. And Xenoblade okay. Chronicles X about the same. And I haven't played two or three, and I didn't even finish X. Mm. But for some reason, just like the ambition of those games is something I can just absolutely appreciate. Even if the mm. execution is horribly lacking. Right. Is it the Sense8 of video games? Maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, God damn it. Yes. <laughs> the deep cut? <laughs> the deep cut. Yeah, yeah. And then nine is Mario Kart. Already talked about that. And, and now we're getting kind of the end of the end of the bottom of the barrel here. And I chose Advanced Wars because it's like, oh, I played. Oh, yeah. Uh, I like, didn't even think of Advanced Wars. I was like, ah. Uh. I played two of these games and I enjoyed them. Yeah. So so that gets Epic. you on to top 10 on my list. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when, when, once you're, when you're talking about series, like you've covered in your first nine, you've covered like 60 games. Yeah. <laughs> More, I think. So, you know, I get it. <laughs> I think I think you had a stronger draft than me. I mean, I'm going to say that because you got my number one and my number three. But like... <laughs> Well, okay. And but like my whole draft strategy was just looking at the list and being like, he's not really a big Mario fan. Like I can let this drop. <laughs> and it's oh, like uh, you really surprised me when you took Metroid so early too. Mm, I knew mm-hmm. I and I knew it was because you were picking against me. Yes. But also Metroid thought, Prime, the yeah. first one was mind-blowing to me on the GameCube. Yes. It just, like, it was the first game. Okay, so for those who don't know, I own, well, not anymore, (laughs) but I owned, like, 120-ish GameCube games. What percentage of the entire catalog of GameCube would you say that is? Not huge. Really? Okay. Yeah, I mean... I mean, if you look it up, I think like 600 games came out for GameCube. Oh, shit. That's that's still a decent chunk. I mean, it's it's, it's not a small amount. (laughs) (laughs) But of all the games that I played, so those were back in the days of like college and high school. And so every game I owned, I played the shit out of before I moved on to the next one. Yeah, yeah. And of all those games that I played, Metroid, no game used fully used the controller, every button mm. on the controller. Yes. As amazingly as Metroid Prime did. I I will also say there weren't a ton of games. That was the first game to me that justified the hardware on GameCube. Mm. I feel like they're, you know, like the jump from 16-bit from 8-bit, like it's it's very apparent what you can do in 16-bit that you couldn't do in 8-bit. The jump <laughs> from, like, 3D to 2D, like, it's very apparent what you can do in 3D on the Nintendo 64 or the PlayStation 1 that you couldn't do 
on a 16-bit console. And then when it made the next jump to, you know, to the the era of like GameCube and and stuff like that, like I was like, yeah, the graphics are nicer, like obviously like it's prettier to look at, but like what can you what couldn't you do in the previous console that you can do now as far as game design? Like I, I was just like, it's a nice upgrade, but it's a quality of life. It's not, you know, it's not fundamentally changing game design. And then I played Metroid Prime and there's a room. It's like a big, oh, right. <laughs> it's like one of the first big open rooms that you walk into and it's raining and, you know, you see like the rain coming down and you see like the, the splashing on the ground. You're like, okay, this is really cool. And I noticed one area where the rain wasn't falling down and I like look up and it's just kind of like stopping in the air. I'm like, that's weird. Like what the hell? I guess they messed up. Come yeah, back there like later with their code. <laughs> come back there later with the fucking x-ray visor. And there's right? a, there's a there's invisible a platform, platform there. there. Oh my god. So cool. Yeah, yeah. It was that game just was so incredibly impressive. I changed from one conversation, I changed uh Joey's mind about <laughs> Wow. He was like, oh the game's okay. I was like, no, this game is a effing amazing yeah tell me a game that uses the controller better than all timer yeah i he, and he came back oh he i was like on like a thursday went into the weekend came back on monday he was like you know what i was thinking about what you said and yeah <laughs> Prime was pretty good and i was like you're yeah. damn right yeah. you're damn right <laughs> so some honorable mentions that i didn't get to yeah. play that i don't know uh, maybe i wanted them mm-hmm. at some point the the strategic mention would be a Castlevania. Well, that's that's. I mean, I would say that's not definitely not a. Um, oh, they had like eight games on the the Nintendo. Yeah, but it, it's a Konami franchise. Like that's it's a different. It's I would say like it's less what I was going. At least my picks were mm-hmm. weren't you know what so like uh, from the Nintendo company. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like thing? this okay. is either first or second party developed. This is a property owned by Nintendo. This is okay. not like from a, a separate developer or publisher. Okay. So then okay, so my honorable mentions might have gotten trashed anyway. So because <laughs> I was looking at like Castlevania, I was looking at Chrono Trigger, mm. I was looking at NBA Hang Time. Okay. I was I was looking at like Toe Jam and Earl. Yeah, Konami like, Square Midway. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Just like games, because my frame of reference was mm-hmm. primarily what Nintendo. you played on Nintendo. Sure, yeah, yeah. Mario Kart we talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mario Tennis is more of a personal one on my side because that used to be what we would play at Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, with the family. Oh, or Wii again, Sports. Wii Sports. Very adventure. Yeah, and then yeah, Wii Sports was going to be my other one. That's a good one. That's a really uh, yeah. yeah. I I almost regret not pulling Wii Sports. As that would be when you're talking about like all time popularity of games. That's just way 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 up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then which we talked about it because uh, but we already mentioned that it's an illegal play as Tetris. Mm. It's not on my list, but would you say it's an illegal play? I don't know if it's an illegal play. I mean, Tetris, I think Tetris is on the most number of consoles and, and I, I would, I would say Tetris would be eligible. Mm. Nintendo had publishing rights. Has, maybe still has. 
had it exclusively for a while. Mm. It's hard to say. It was on it was on TI eighty three calculators. Yeah. <laughs> But so is gang wars and drug wars. Right. A lot of these were not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Te- like Tetris would be my number two if I felt like it was uh, a usable play. Yeah. I was I was I was questioning it's it was in the same like realm as like, I don't know, is is Goldeneye gonna be able be a play that I could do? If it is, I'm using it. So like it's in that kind of realm. It is it is head. similar. I would say it has slightly I don't know. Nintendo, you know, had exclusive publishing rights for a certain amount of time. It's a very very gray area like legally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An area which neither of us are technically qualified. <laughs> to, right. yeah. We cannot give you legal advice. That's <laughs> not what this podcast is for. <laughs> but yeah, that was fun. Okay, so I got so yeah. So the ones mm-hmm. I got were Metroid, Super Mario, Battletoads, yeah, Donkey Kong Country, and Kirby. Nice. Solid, solid gang. Solid, solid gang. gang. Yeah. We'll we'll have to, you know, listener, please leave a comment and and let us know what uh which draft you prefer. Yeah. Oh, I think it'd be fun down the line to do an impulse draft on something. I'm going to think of another. Totally. I'm going to think of an, of another. I mean, subject. we could do so much Avengers roster, X-Men roster. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic Four roster. There's been enough. <laughs> I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, that, this is good. That'll be fun. We should, we should do this uh, mm-hmm. here and there. I'm just gonna. I'm just. It's gonna be the coldest of opens. I'm just gonna hit you. Be like, it's draft time. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna get the little ditty to play. Cool. <laughs> I'm into it. Anytime. So what are we doing here now that we've been here for half an hour? Oh, yeah. Well, it's a podcast. Welcome, people who are listening. This is Hype is My Superpower. And yeah, uh, in addition to fantasy drafts and talking about Nintendo, we talk about the things that we're hyped on and more specifically and regularly comic books. Will's reading every single Marvel comic in 616 continuity or thereabouts that has ever been published in current publishing times and i decided one sad day to read every single x-men comic ever published and now i am stuck in the doldrums of the year 2000 so yeah the next millennium yeah actually i I technically still have a couple from 1999 but you know i'm crossing crossing that threshold breaking that barrier what did you read this week i kept it light for my marvel 616 reads yeah that's right. We have more other things that we read. Yeah. So I only read Strange, which is it's a series written by Judd McKay, which okay. is exciting. Who you like. Yeah. I do like Judd McKay. I jury is out on this book, but oh, uh, it okay. follows Clea takes over as Sorcerer Supreme sure. after Doctor Strange passed away. Yeah. And she she came back during that during the Death of Doctor Strange book. Okay. And at the end of it, 
Strange gave the Eye of Agamotto and his cloak of, cloak of levitation to her. And so this is her being sure. the Sorcerer Supreme. And then I read eight, I think, issues of Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Yeah, we read the Sandman issues that were collected as uh, volume four, A Season of Mists. Or just a season um, of mists. No, no article. We read that together. We will talk about it last. Yeah. Yeah. I also read, it was a bit of a catch-up week for me. For our last episode, I read X-Men Phoenix, but we didn't have time to cover it, so I'll talk about it today. And then also, uh, on a previous episode, I talked about an arc on Generation X that and the uh, the auto the audio got corrupted there. We cut it out of the podcast. So I read a little more Generation X this week. So I'll add this to that. Also, an issue of New Warriors that cameos Generation X. I've <laughs> pretty much just with that. I've already described everything. And then a one shot of the X Babies. X Babies Reborn. <laughs> So let's X baby. Yeah. You know what's funny? I've read there have been an there's been an X Babies title in the last 20 years. Well, it was a it was a side story of Secret Wars. <laughs> that makes sense in Secret Wars. And it was oversized. It's the only book of its oh. like physical size. It's oh, really obnoxious. It's written by does... Scotty Young and drawn okay. by Scotty Young. So it was that fun. sounds perfect for Scotty Young. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, X Babies. <laughs> <laughs> Should we should we hop into this? Get us going. Get going Start, on this. Get get strange. Yeah, so strange, right? So Clea, who is the daughter of Umar, who and Umar is the sister of Dormammu, the dread. Clea is also the sorcerer supreme of the dark dimension. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of this, she's currently the sorcerer supreme of two dimensions it seems like wild. a conflict of interest you should probably report right. that before it's yeah. fully a conflict of interest and it gets mentioned in passing yeah as like a ooh, what's clear gonna do now kind of a thing because <laughs> right. it's like it, it she it's uh, i forget if it's a monologue from her talking to wong or if it's like a like a narration box but it's just like it talks about the weight and responsibility of being a Sorcerer Supreme and what it entails and how just being a Sorcerer Supreme of a realm like pulls at your sanity and, and stretches you really, really thin. Sure. And then, and, and that is why there's only ever like, that's why Sorcerer Supreme Sorcerers Supremes mm-hmm. never like, jump yeah. <laughs> realms to like take on more <laughs> yeah what what is the uh the the pluralization here is, is it like is it like grand <laughs> grand's pre right so <laughs> well there was a book called dr strange and the sorcerer's supreme okay which was a time hop thing of all the different sorcerer supremes sorcerer's supreme <laughs> of 616 Okay. And there's and they all jump to the past to save the ancient one. And mm. the ancient one is the one that trained all of them. And right. so like it was kind of a cool send-off tribute to him. Sweet. Anyway, I hate that I remember these things. So <laughs> <laughs> we start we start with Clea fighting some guy who calls himself the harvest man. 
Okay. And he looks kind of cool. He's got a, he looks like your typical death person, like Groom Reaper is the word I was looking for. Okay. He's got a sickle, a big old harvesting sickle, and he's got a gold mask and he's got a black cloak. And it looks like worn down Dr. Doom armor. Like it's, it's bandages, but like the way the art looks, it just kind of looks kind of Dr. Doomy. Anyway, okay. so you find out like halfway through the volume that Harvest Man is sort of Death's Sorcerer Supreme. Like she creates, Death created basically an Aaron boy for her okay. to go and deal with people who have been coming back from the dead because so Clea Clea's like, Hey, you know, this world needs Dr. Strange. Right. I could go and try to get him back. And then while she's like dabbling in that stuff, Harvest Man shows up and is like, you can never have Dr. Strange. Hmm. Okay. And she's like, to hell I can't. So my problem with this book is Clea is very, she comes, she's portrayed in this as, oh, what's it? What I know for people who read more books, they could easily explain this, but like someone who's comes off as like kind of underqualified and is pumping their chest a lot and like throws hmm. tantrums whenever they get questioned. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it, okay, but yeah. like Clea's doing her thing and anytime her station gets, questioned mm-hmm. like in the third page of this book dr doom shows up and to to the sanctum centaurum and is like clea i'm here because dr because stephen strange is gone i will be the sorcerer supreme and she's <laughs> like um hell no you're not and she freaks out and she goes all dark magic-y faltine flame head purple magic on him and just, and like banishes him from the sanctum. And it's like, whoa, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) whoa. (laughs) So for those who also don't know, other than the fact that she's Dormammu's niece and the Sorcerer Supreme of the Dark Realm, she was slash is married to Stephen Strange. They have since split, but I don't know if they've technically gotten divorced. Right. Because as a member of the Faltine, she doesn't have a last name. And mm. so in this, she takes on the last name Strange. Okay. So her name is Clea Strange now. And the reason why it's kind of, why it really kind of throws me off of Clea kind of boasting and outbursting is when she's just chilling, she's super laid back and has, and basically comes off as like the magic version of what I saw in Black Cat. Okay. Just like casual, laid back, having a good time, doing the magic thing. And like her demeanor is fun and lackadaisical, which both of these attributes have never been what I've assumed of her. Yeah. In my reading of Marvel, I've only ever seen her a couple of times because mm-hmm. the Clea story was like back in the 90s. Yeah. But she's always been the calm, reserved right. type. Yeah. Every time I've seen her. And so to have her be explored in this more showing emotion type way is just kind of weird to me. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so Wong has this list of things that are like duties of the Sorcerer Supreme. And he's like, hey, so we should start 
you know, addressing these. She's like, no, let's go shopping. So <laughs> they go to this place called the Shadow Bazaar, which is an alley that is a bazaar in New York hidden by magic. Yeah. And it's basically like the place that Jim Jaspers is the head of in Otherworld. The, um, oh, yeah, yeah. I forget what it's called. The Red Bazaar or something. Some, yeah, that sure. Yes. Yeah. So, sorry, it's not the Shadow Bazaar. It's the Shrouded Bazaar. Okay. And so Wong is like, yeah, let's, let's you know, go pick up whatever magical items we need to get. Mm-hmm. So they go there. And while they're there, another group attacks. And I say another because... I guess people just know about this place. So the Kingpin in the past has tried to take it over, but magic is too tricky for him. The Hood has tried, but he didn't know magic well enough to be a force. And now these other guys show up in like Black Ops combat gear and face masks, and they each have a white number on their forehead, Mm, on their masks. And they are from the Blasphemy Cartel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I don't think is a thing before this. I, I feel like it was created for this uh, story. But anyway, everyone is nobody, the number on their head. So this guy hmm. with a 23 on his head, he's checking in. He's like, this is nobody 23. We've okay. engaged. And they're trying to take people out and take over the bazaar. Clea happens to be there and she's like, no, I will not allow this to happen. Yeah. She goes all dark magic on them. And they're like, wait, so the Sorcerer Supreme is here. It's like, uh, that's BS. Doctor uh, Intel says Strange is dead. She's like, no, Strange is here. And then, <laughs> yeah, so she starts magic tearing people apart. And then they use this thing called a Solomon grenade, which is just a hand grenade with a sigil on the bottom. And when it explodes, it summons this giant ass demon. <laughs> and Clea's like, that's cute. My kind have been summoning and binding demons for ages since before, while Mm -hmm. you people were clicking rocks together in caves. And so she just seals the demon inside, like her eye of Agamotto. And she's like, he's my slave now. I'll use him when I feel he needs to be used. (laughs) They're like, uh... So anyway, so she deals with that little kerfuffle. And then they get back and Wong is like, hey, we need to, you know do some Sorcerer Supreme stuff. And she's like, I have been, I am the sorcerer. Everything I do is Sorcerer Supreme stuff because I am the Sorcerer Supreme. And it's like, okay, buddy. And then she she casts a spell on New York okay. that is a passive detection spell okay. for any surge of necromantic energy. Hmm. Basically, she's like, you know our lives, Wong. Strange is going to come back. Like, I don't need to do anything if, if right. you know, if I'm patient, Strange will come back because comics. <laughs> That's great. And so while she's telling Wong about the spell, Wong is like, wait a second. Hey, it's going off. And then so they go and they go and to where the energy is and this body is coming back and it's an undead thunderstrike. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> Just super okay. random. Yeah. While he while she shows up for there, that's where she meets Harvest Man, who is there to harvest Thunderstrike to bring him back to the dead. Mm. Because basically what's happening is the I forget the exact details, but the blasphemy cartel is summoning rounding up souls and 
putting them into body in finding a body that can handle their souls to like revive the dead. And they're like running experiments basically. Okay. And it turns out that powered beings are more susceptible to holding souls than like a random you and I. So Thunderstrike was the first that they tried. Interesting. It worked to a degree, but he was mindless and was just saying he just kept on screaming out thunderstrike <laughs> thunder so that was that was a failed experiment clea harvestman and undead thunderstrike have a three-way tag team battle and clea Clea is upset because in the past she has fought alongside Thunderstrike. Okay. Uh, his his real name is Eric Masterson. Yes. His son was on As Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, that's right. Oh, and yeah. he go he went by Thunderstrike as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so she's upset and she blames Harvest Man, and Harvest Man's like, "That's not what I'm here mm-hmm. for." <laughs> so Harvest Man has some magic at his disposal, which is interesting and weird. It, they spend literally an entire issue. Fight. So the end of the first issue is Thunderstrike coming back, and then they spend all of the second issue fighting Thunderstrike because he is a worthy opponent. Sure. Yeah, so at the end of that, what's her face? Clea's hanging out with Bats and Wong, and Wong is like, that's interesting i don't like this this feels like an escalation death has created a counterpart to the sorcerer supreme an opposite number and that is interesting go mm-hmm. while they're talking someone shows up at the at the um sanctum centaurum and it's this charred elf looking guy and he's like hi the blasphemy cartel came back to the shrouded bazaar and they wrecked shop. <laughs> and so she gets pissed and she's like, I'm going to war with the blasphemy cartel. Like, it's just okay. these scenes like this where she powers up and there's yeah. nobody to fight. I'm okay. just like, why are you being so extra? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so now she has a thing for the Blasphemy Cartel. So she just tracks down the Blasphemy Cartel through magic and comics, and she finds them. She powers up again and starts speaking in, like, purple speech bubbles, which is okay. something the Faltine does. She turns everyone to stone, <laughs> and then she finds out their whole, like, plan. And the Blasphemy Cartel is being led by... So remember that everyone is like, nobody 23, nobody 18, yada, yada, yada. Okay. So the Blasphemy Cartel is run by, what is his name? Director Nunn. And he's just a big negative space <laughs> okay. with a zero on his forehead. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The next two vo- issues, they don't really deal with that <laughs> because <laughs> the next two issues. So oh, one of the things that Wong is trying to get clear to deal with is if you remember for whatever reason in death of dr strange okay three other lords from other realms made camp on on earth umar is one of them and then two other sorcerer supreme dark lords from other realms i forget where what the other ones are it doesn't really matter because we're dealing with umar because 
Umar is Clea's mother. And so she sends an envoy to be like, hey, your mom wants to have dinner, so get ready. (laughs) Okay. So, So issue four is coupled between Umar coming over for dinner and Umar finally saying, I'm proud of you. Clea and Umar go to White Castle. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. That was a stretch. <laughs> it was, I allow it. I allow it. So <laughs> she says, so Umar says, I'm proud of you. And, and that's the first time Clea's ever said, or Umar's yeah. ever said that. And so Clea's taken aback. And it's just because Umar sees it from a dreadlord perspective. Sure, of course. And she's like, you played the long game with Strange. You <laughs> yeah. spent all this time wooing Strange just so you could take his Sorcerer Supreme yeah. seat. I see you, girl. Look at you. <laughs> and Look she's at all like, this effective oh, emission. <laughs> this isn't what I wanted. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I guess the Blasphemy Cartel does get involved because they crash the party and try to take out the Sorcerer Supreme. It's a great name, by the way. The Blasphemy Cartel. I feel like on behalf of all punks everywhere, we should have had a band na- a band take that name first. And we should be embarrassed by that we didn't get there. But yeah, well done, Judd McKay. Yeah, Blasphemy Cartel is kind of cool. So they... They're like, okay, we need to activate the Lazarus agent. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so they said hello by shooting a bullet that unleashes a like genie demon thing. Okay, classic. It's, yeah, and then the demon fades away. So I guess it's just like a spell. But then they're like, okay, activate the Lazarus agent, and it's Shadow Knight. Who? Mm. I'm not familiar with Shadow Knight. And that's fine. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's Randall Specter, okay. uh, Mark Specter's brother. Oh, because in the comics, unlike the MCU, he was alive into adulthood, oh. <laughs> and he became Shadow Knight, who was basically a Moon Knight like character. Interesting. And but he's all like mummified. So if you it, you know. The conversation that we had with uh, with the ethics folks about you know he's Moon Knight, not Night Knight. This is this is this is Night Knight. Yeah, this is Night Knight. <laughs> this is Night Knight. Not to be so, confused with Nighty Nightcrawler. No, because that is a completely different established character. Now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Shadow Knight is holding his own against both Umar and Clea. And Clea's like, enough of this. And so she summons that demon that she held in her, that she stole from the cartel in the first issue or second yeah. issue or whatever. And the demon dealt with um, Shadow Knight while Umar went and dealt with the nobodies. And then while that's going down, uh, what's his face? Harvest Man shows up and is like, hey, thanks for doing my work for me. I need to bring Shadow Knight back home. He's like, come on. So... The Shadow Knight breaks down. These guys are called Revenants. Based okay. as the Revenants are the uh, the multiple soul body snatcher sure. things, and he's like, "That's what's going down." I'll see you later. And 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 she's like, "Later, skaters." Like, is, and she's like, "Hey, Harvestman, because you want to stop this because death is pissed, and so she created you." Our mm-hmm. goals align. I would join my power to yours to our common end. Your mistress has only only has to give me what I want, Stephen Strange. And he says no. 
I have told you and told you again, Sorcerer Supreme. Abandon this goal. He belongs to death. Forget him. And he says he is not. Oh, she says I was made to forget him once, never again. He says he is not worthy of yourself of such esteem. Take my word for it. Hmm. And then he disappears. And Numar's like, "Who the hell was that?" And she's like, "It's Death's Sorcerer Supreme. His name is Harvestman." She's like, "Okay, well, I'll see you later." So Umar goes back to her dimension. Clea goes and visits Moon Knight. Okay. At the uh, midnight mission, and it's like, that hey, sounds fun. I, I need some some help with uh, some stuff. Also, I think I killed your brother. <laughs> <laughs> Is that going to be a problem with us working together? And he's like, Oh, you killed. You, Randall's been killed again. Huh. <laughs> I guess I owe you two favors. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Moon Knight helps uh, track down Blasphemy Cartel, and then this guy who's supposed to know won't give up information to Moon Knight. And so Clea's like, let me try. And then she faultines out again. And she's like, okay. dude, yeah. like, calm your shit, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they go and have their little fight and blah, blah, blah. The only other thing worth mentioning is that in the cartel or in this fight, they cut Clea's access to magic off. Oh, wow. That was the same thing that was supposed to be the worst thing that you could ever do to somebody, right? Right. But this is just a tool as opposed to like completely. Forever. Yeah. Shutting off his, her magical notes, which, oh man, we haven't seen the payoff for that yet. Oh, and Dr. Strange is dead to, to, he can't even say, I I told you so anymore. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) but she's, and so Clea's like, that's great that you cut off my, magic from this dimension but i'm also the source of supreme of the, of the dark dimension uh, and i have access to all those powers and so she dreads out again and it's like okay cool anyway <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they go they deal with that and moon knight says hey nice team up that was fun he also says you know i owe the source of supreme two favors that was one you know if you need anything else you know just reach out so okay it ends with harvest man reporting back to death what news, my sweet harvestman? Have you worked my will? Have you punished the revenant? She says, no, Mistress Death. I went there with all speed, but I was too late. It was the Sorcerer Supreme who claimed the revenant. This is this is not done, harvestman. The Sorcerer Supreme oversteps her authority. She may require correction, harvestman. He says, no, my wife is a fierce, courageous soul. She should not be punished for her nature. And then you turn the page and it reveals that harvestman is Doctor Strange with all white hair. Oh yeah, Stephen, what you doing? Yeah, what's going on? And man? that's why he can't. That's why Stephen Strange is not on the menu, <laughs> for huh. Clea, because Harvestman's a thing. Clea okay. fights for love, for hope of reunion. As do I. My, you may have Stephen Strange as your Harvestman. You may have my very soul, but my heart remains hers huh. to be continued. Okay, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it is kind of fun that death was like, oh, I got Stephen Strange. Oh, I yeah. should make him. I should make a Sorcerer Supreme. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Right? <laughs> but like, she hasn't done that with any of the other souls that she's gotten. Sure. <laughs> but it's fine. It, whatever. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. I mean, his is more of a job than a identity. So sure. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, the design of Harvestman is interesting he's got but like it's he kind of feels like a mishmash of like Mm. three other villains Uh because he's got the golden mask like madam mask okay he's he's wrapped up and his 
adornments look like an alt universe doctor doctor doom yeah <laughs> and he's got a giant sickle like any number of scarecrow themed <laughs> <laughs> character like jack-o-lantern yeah yeah even grim reaper has sure. his hand as a sickle right like, but you know a hundred years into marvel comics there's <laughs> going to be some overlap <laughs> So that's fine. The Blasphemy Cartel is still a thing. Like, we got introduced to director Nunn halfway through the book and then haven't seen him since. Yeah. I like the idea of weaponized sorcery, like bullets and grenades that have spells in them. Like, right. it's just, it's kind of a cool amalgamation of two very unrelated things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was kind of fun. I don't, I'm not sure how I feel about this characterization of Clea. Yeah. She like she's just erratic. And okay, actually, to that point, I wonder if it's the weight of a double sorcerer supreme that's mm. making her pop off like this. Right. Because again, she's always been the calm, like love. She's she's the pepper to his right. Iron Man. Right. And like pepper isn't a firecracker. She doesn't explode right. about people. Right. She's the one that calms the main character down. Right. So it's great to see her as a main character. It's right. it's great that she's getting a spotlight. It's great that she's a thing, yeah. but like it's just not what I would have thought. They're making the plot require her to act a different way in order to fulfill that role rather than like seeing what the established character might do. Right. In, with you know with these the these larger roles and responsibilities with this larger yeah. like situation yeah that that's annoying yeah and so since wong has known her this whole time i'm hoping that he can see that she's mm. not acting the way we've seen her for the last 30 40 years sure and like calls her out or and or does something to help her work on this or whatever so i don't know we'll see i I definitely need at least another volume to figure out what's going on. The first volume of every comic. Yeah. yeah. First volume of every comic is always like, here's a shotgun blast of all the new things I'm going to introduce in the series. Yep. And then have fun going forward. Then we'll like deal with the actual character stuff. Right. So that's how it tends to always be. Is Jed McKay also, he's also writing Moon Knight right now, right? Yes. So that might be a fun crossover for that second favorite. Mm-hmm. Do I'm curious, how was the um, the factor of Moon Knight being, you know, the the whole like this character isn't acting like themselves. They're just fulfilling the plot role that they need to mm. when they're cameoing. How is that when it's the same writer? Smoother, because I cool. on, like I did not feel like he was acting weird. Yeah, like. He was, I will, okay, I will say he was a little less dark, <laughs> a little less like just uh-huh. no holds barred. But yeah. when they went to interrogate, you know, he was knocking teeth out and like, yeah. So, like, you yeah. know, he, it was, it was still on brand. And then, like, the way he, they had him dressed in his Mr. Knight suit at the midnight mission and he had his legs crossed mm-hmm. and like, how can I help you? It was the, um, the presentation and how he talked was very on the K brand. Cool. And I think that's a, that's a great point. And I think that's a good thing for people to do. And like, I feel like we see that a lot, right. Whenever, mm. um, 
whenever a writer has a cameo of a character that is, yeah. there's always that chance that it's a character that they've written before. Oh, yes. <laughs> and like those cameos tend to always be so much better than when you like, uh-huh. oh, well, let's bring in Spider-Man so we can sell the book and put him on the cover. Right. So, totally. <laughs> you know, and yeah, it, it just works so much better when they stick to their own weapons, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point though. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. Setting up of things and we'll see, uh, we'll see where that goes in the future, I suppose. Yeah. Shall we uh, move along to to my stuff? Yeah, give me your uh, X stuff. Okay, so I'll start with Generation X. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try and blast through this as quickly as possible, but it's kind of a lot. So bear with me. <laughs> Do you know who Paladin is? Yeah, Paladin yeah. Palomine. He's a he's a mercenary with no powers, and he wears purple. Yeah, perfect. I didn't know much about him. <laughs> He's on this job for Adrienne Frost, uh, Emma's sister, who in the previous story arc became co-head master master of the school. Emma, they ran out of money, so Emma had to go groveling for her. And Adrienne was like, well, I used my psychic powers to find out that you have a uh, school full of mutant children who you're training to be heroes. And this could come in handy for me for you know, private missions and my own gain. So yes, I will give you a bunch of money to save the school. Anyway, this job that Paladin is on took him to Madripoor to retrieve a samurai sword for Adrienne, but it went south and he went back to the Massachusetts Academy to recover where Jubilee stumbles upon him and kind of develops a little crush on him. And so then the whole Generation X team, minus Monet and Penance, who want to spend some quality sister time together, uh, they decide to go back to Madripoor to help him out because he's like a charismatic dude or whatever. And it turns out, you know, this is exactly the type of shit that Adrienne bought into the school for in the first place. So good on her. Opposing him, uh, opposing Paladin and Madripoor are the Rising Suns. <laughs> this is their only appearance. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I wanted the Rising Suns and the Midnight Suns to fight. Oh, right. A character named Dragonwing, who is a modular dragon shapeshifter, can like change different parts of their body into dragon parts. Oh, okay, like a reptile. Yeah, yeah. Got uh, it. Spoil Got Sport, it. who has gravity defying roll er, gravity defying rollerblades. The Sign, who has magic tattoos. Jet Black, who is half man, half motorcycle, <laughs> and. Nightwind, who is a ninja with a dark force sword. I'm sorry, do you want me to go back to half man, half motorcycle? You're making a face. <laughs> oh, dude, there's there is a whole there is a was it Geico? There was a <laughs> there was a whole series of ads of a guy who was half centaur, half motorcycle. Oh yeah. And it was <laughs> So he he called himself Motor, and so okay. he was motorcycle, and then instead of handlebars, he was the top half of a person. Okay. What the fuck? <laughs> He's his name was Motor. It was awesome. Okay. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that was in the comic. <laughs> it unbelievably dumb. Oh my gosh. Okay, sorry. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, real, real qual. Oh, and then the last one of the Rising Suns is 
a, a psychic bookworm who is named, sorry, a super strong bookworm who is named Tough Love. <laughs> and there's this like fun stakeout scene in a restaurant where, you know, they like Jubilee and Paladin pretend, pretend to be on a date and stake out the guy who has this samurai sword. And then there's this like cool chase slash battle scene on a bullet train and there's motorcycles. They get the sword, but it's like this awful piece of junk. And it's like, why the hell does Adrienne want this? It turns out it was used to kill her husband. It was the murder weapon when she had him killed. No one knows. So there you go. Adrienne getting more and more deeply villain coded by the issue. Mm-hmm. Next issue, Generation X gets a psychic summons from Emma, finds out that their costumes have been replaced with Hellion's costumes, and when they look in the mirror in a mirror, they see the Hellions instead, like the original Hellions. So mm. M is Tarot, Chamber is Beef, Jubilee is Cat's Eye, Sink is Empath, Skin is Bevatron. These names, man, Beef and Bevatron are just <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, and Husk is Roulette. And then Emma is in her like Hellfire Club costume. And somehow this is the day that the Hellions died. Mm. Like uh, the Generation X kids go to a party and everything is exactly as it was on that day. Uh, It's a big, it's actually like a Hellfire Gala type event that Trevor Fitzroy crashes and he's trying to kill the, the inner circle members. And instead he just kills the kids. Anyway, they uh, while they're there, they run into fellow Hellion Jetstream, who isn't replaced by a Gen Xer because they just didn't have enough people, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Jubilee convinces everyone that they're going to change their fate somehow, so they go through the events of the day, the fight against Fitzroy. M wakes up in the real world, in the danger room, bleeding from a cut from the party, meaning that everything, whatever happens, you know, this is a simulation in the danger room, but whatever happens in the simulation happens in real life, blah, 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 blah. And everyone else is still passed out in the danger room and living back in the sim world. So she gets back in the sim, warns the others. Emma is also in the simulation, and Sync uses M's telepathy to make Emma realize she's stuck between the sim and the real world. They try to pull her out, but now whoever's running the sim starts like changing shit of what happened on that day. Uh, And the X-Men who were there at the Hellfire Gala attack, and it's like a, you know, big fight, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they all make it out and they find out that Adrienne is responsible for all this. And she's calling herself the new white queen. She has this crazy ass costume. You know, fight, win, whatever. Next, there's like a B-plot or next issue. There's a school dance coming up. Husk is going with this annoying human kid named Tristan who found out their identities a couple issues back. Right. And, yeah. And, you know, they, they had a, a barter that he would keep it secret if she went on a date with him. Jubilee and Everett are going to the dance together, but Everett doesn't think that this is a real date. Jubilee has a giant crush on Everett, so dramas. Monet is too intimidating for anyone to ask out, so Skins eventually is just like, ah, shoot my shot. And he goes with he he goes to the dance with a bolo tie and a cowboy hat hat, like a true fucking Mexican. Just an absolute boss about it. 
Let's see. Chamber is going with some human goth girl, but he's fixated on Paige and Tristan the whole time. Iceman happens to be on campus to teach a guest lecture in accounting. He's also going to the dance with Emma, which is outrageous for two reasons. One, I mean, obviously he's come out, you know, since then as gay. So LOLs. But two, they had the the whole like a big part of his plot uh, arc through the Lobdell run was he uh, after the attack on the Hellfire Gala and the when the Hellions died, you know, they took in Emma to recuperate at the mansion. She last lashed out psychically and ended up switching bodies with with Bobby for a little while and used his powers and all sorts of like, you know, more like inventive and effective ways that he'd just never considered before. And that was his like, oh, I really need to get serious about my shit moment. So interesting history between those two characters and funny that they would be paired that way. There's also at the dance, there's this ghostly M plate who's just kind of lurking around gets found out by Sink and Emma. They clear the dance hall. They fight. Something's wrong with Emplate, though. He seems much weaker than before. He says, like, Marius, who's Emplate's real name, right? Because he's brothers with Marius St. Croix, brothers with M. He's like, Marius is dead. So they all converge back on Penance room, Penance's room at the place because the whole thing with Penance being the, you know, like... It, it's kind of, I think they're slowly retconning this so that the penance form is what happens to you when you've been fed on by M-plate rather than just like penance was a convenient like form for M-plate to feed off of because infinitely regenerating bone marrow or something. Mm. But anyway, so they all converge on penance's room. There's a big explosion and somehow the St. Croix twins who switched places with M in the penance. Like, okay, so if you remember, Monet was in the penance body. Real Monet was in the penance body, and the the twins, twins. Nicole and Claudette, were in a shared body pretending to be M. A couple issues back, they switched places. In this story, there's a big explosion. Somehow the, the twins are knocked out of the penance body, which also somehow still exists. There's an epilogue. The twins, we find out the twins are fine. And Plate is being held at a lab in the school. Paige and Tristan kiss. Everett's like, I like that we're so close that we can hang out and talk. And Jubilee, hey, did you see how hot Monet was tonight? Anyway, next issue whoever is in the penance body, whatever's going on there, penance digs her way out of the lab facility and escapes. And then the father of all those St. Croix kids shows up. And he's part of like, he's been, he was actually a character before any of the kids were. He's an ambassador to, I think, Algeria and a member, uh, like a pro mutant member of Xavier's underground. And, and, you know, somebody with that sort of like wealth and clout was very politically useful. Anyway, he shows up and he tries to reconcile with Marius. Marius just talks about how he killed his mom and feels no remorse. And so he's uh, Cartier is his name. Cartier says that he's taking Monet out of the Massachusetts school because it's something that she'd asked for in the past. 
he wants to reconcile with his kids and start making up for lost time, become a better dad, et cetera, et cetera. Meanwhile, Penance is out in the woods and a human student has been badly injured with cuts and so on. They're like, oh my God, it was Penance. They all go hunting for Penance, but it's, it's Sasquatch who caused these injuries. But yeah. not Walt Lankowski Sasquatch, one of the real-ass Sasquatches that we found out in the recent run on Alpha Flight. It was being taken to Boston by some creepy military program. It broke free. Penance helps them take it down. They take that Sasquatch to Alpha Flight, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. I was going to say that I feel like the St. Croix's siblings story is more complicated than like any other family tree that I can think of. It's just so, I mean, it's mostly it's because of editorial indecision and changing creative teams. Like Lobdell originally intended there to be no such person as Monet and Penance was a completely different character, a deaf girl from Yugoslavia. Then when Larry Hama took over, he's like, ah, I'm going to do crazy-ass Larry Hama shit. And then when they kicked Larry Hama off the book, they're like, okay, we got to make this make a little bit of sense somehow. And this is what right. they ended up on. But also, when I was thinking about, like, is the Summers family tree more weird? But yes, I, I remember then that, like, what's her face? Because, like, Adam X, Havoc... Vulcan. I guess Vulcan yeah. and Scott, their powers don't work on each other. Right. But the St. Croix's powers do. Definitely do. Yeah. It's like literally their like entire story arc is, right. is they use their powers on each other all the time. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> but like it kind of negates this whole like when you're related, your powers don't work on each other. Yeah, that was a pretty trope. pretty flimsy trope to begin with. Yeah, it's kind of odd. So continuing on with Generation X, there's an annual. Uh, it's the recap of Jubilee's parents' death. She's going through old photos. She notices Hunter Braun in one. Hunter is Tristan's grandfather, who was revealed to be a super-powered villain a couple storylines back. She does some research. She finds out that he was an investor in the bank that her parents owned, which was cleaned out the day after their death. Obviously, she suspects foul play. She finds a witness, makes him talk. She tethers her laptop to a cell phone in 1999. Just like, hell yeah, dude. Get, <laughs> get, get, get cell phone internet in 1999. Yeah. Fucking get it. Like, some real, real prescient use of technology. Well done, Jay Fairber. <laughs> And she's like, she calls uh, Everett on a pay, or I guess it must have been her cell phone, and is like, goodbye, Everett, I'm about to do something really stupid. You know, I found out that this guy, Hunter, killed my parents. I'm going to go give him a piece of my what for. So she breaks into his estate, gets uh, him to confess, and then Generation X comes in on backup. Everett's like, you think I was going to let you do this stupid shit? Come on. And Hunter's like, well, you know, I, I know who your witness was. There's only one person who could talk. And so he orders, he's like, I always have like a perpetual squad ready to just off him at a moment's notice. So I just called them now. And turns out the Skin and Emma weren't 
on the backup mission and they stop the hit. And, you know, so then it's like, what are you going to do with, uh, uh, like, no, Jubilee, don't kill Hunter. And she's like, you, you know, we know that you hung out with Wolverine and he kills people. And they're like, no, it's just like, no, because of uh, hanging out with Wolverine, then I learned not to kill people. And so he goes to prison. Tristan and Paige seem to be doing just fine, but Tristan supports putting his grandpa in prison, but now he's really bummed because he has no family left. He's like, Jubilee, I'm pissed off at you. I don't have any family left. Do you have any idea how that feels? It's just like, actually, yes. Literally, yes. Funny you should say that. Yeah. And Monet is being pulled out of the school for, for realsies. And Everett's having all sorts of feelings about it. As she leaves, she kisses him on the mouth. And she's gone. Next issue, issue 59. This is a, a fun sort of like day off type thing that they seem to have a lot. They go to New York City. Artie and Leech have to use image inducers because of how they look <laughs> in general. Yeah. And they decide to have fun with image in, their image inducers and, you know, just like change their look and go and do all sorts of crazy shit all over. They run into Spider-Man, who's fighting, I think, Rhino, and they both turn into Spider-Man. Or they turn into Spider-Man to like distract Rhino, and we actually have the Spider-Man pointing meme. Basically, it's not exact, no. but it's pretty close. Here, let me show it's you. It's basically it, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh my bad. It was Sandman that he was fighting. Okay. So this is Artie and Leech and like, we, we've got to do something here. And so it turns into Sandman. And then oh there are three Sandman. Oh, my Lord. And is, <laughs> it's not quite pointing. It looks more like web shooting. But this is kind of a point, And these are both kind of pointing. Yep. So. Yep. Yep. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so Generation X go to try and look for them. And... They run into the new warriors along the way and kind of, you know, get in an argument tussle. Uh, Artie and Leech disguise themselves as Reed and Sue and say, take us, <laughs> take us to the Avengers mansion. But he, Leech is still talking like Leech. So he says, please take Reed, Reed and Sue Richards to Avengers <laughs> mansion. Cabby's like, um, okay. All right. <laughs> and he's like... He doesn't understand, you know, what's going on on the radio. And he's like, what was what was going on? And Cab is like, this guy's a bloody genius. Yeah, right. And then they disguise themselves as uh, Thor and Captain America, try and get into the Avengers wow. mansion. They get captured, reveal the whole thing. Firestar is a member of the Avengers right now. And so uh, when the rest of Generation X come in, you know, to pick them up she and emma have a have it out because emma recruited her to the hellions at a certain point and you know she's like hey i don't forgive you for this and emma's like well you know shit's changed and i i'm sorry and firestar's like well i guess i'll give uh, you know i can give you the benefit of the doubt but if i ever hear you messing with another child's again uh, child's head again i'm coming after you and i'm bringing the avengers with me so Ooh. cool oh and we also i think we established this earlier but sink's hero 
uh, Everett's hero is uh, Black Panther. And he's like, the whole issue is like looking around me like, oh, looking for heroes. I've got to see, got to see my fave. I got to see T'Challa. And then he sees him at the very end. He's like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) See that, like, that's the kind of thing that I feel like living in New York would be like. Right. In Marvel, New York. Walking around and being like, oh, shit, look at that. Yep. Yep. (laughs) This is why you look up when, when you walk. Right. There's going to be someone <laughs> running across the rooftop, rooftops. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And then there's an issue of New Warriors where Generation X makes a cameo. They have their obligatory fight and then team up against this guy named Biohazard, who this was his for his only appearance. So I don't really need to go into it. They put his dad in prison and he's angry, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the New Warriors team is Nova. The Richard Ryder Nova, obviously. Uh, Namorita, Speedball, two new characters, Turbo and Aegis, and Chris fucking Bradley, a.k.a. Bolt, the the mutant kid with the legacy virus and electricity powers from the the Maverick series and one issue of X-Men Unlimited, etc. The one that I had the worst time remembering the existence of yeah that's fine he's he's a completely trivial character <laughs> fun yeah. good for him yeah right <laughs> he made a team yeah. i think this volume of new warriors lasted like 10 issues but you know what whatever <laughs> okay x-men phoenix miniseries so this was the first timeline appearance of cable's future aka like the earliest moment in cable's futures timeline that has been published okay and rachel here is (laughs) god she has the most confusing story so she's from days of future past right and then she comes back to 616 and then blah 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 uh, stuff happens. She joins Excalibur. Captain Britain gets lost in the time stream. She decides to switch places with him to save him. She gets stuck at the end of time. And then somehow it's after that and before a retcon that's coming very soon, which we'll talk about when it happens <laughs> in the pages of Cable. But she's been spat up in this timeline with no memories of the end of time, which is useful publishing wise, because this could conceivably, this could de-retcon, this could be the basis for de-retconning that wrong. Okay. Basically at, at the end of time, they split her like did split timeline theory, like Zelda Ocarina of time and split oh, okay. her into two characters. One of which comes back to six, one, six and continuous up until Krakoa era. And then the other one is the one who, be, who later becomes mother Ascani. So this is following, this is, they haven't, they haven't introduced the split yet. So this is just, you know, at this point we assume it's the only Rachel, but this is her on her path to becoming mother Ascani. And this could conceivably happen after her return to 616 or in a different order entirely because there's these massive age gaps, right? Like she still looks like her young self here, which is very different from, you know, 
extremely elderly mother Iskani. So who knows? But while she's there, she um, meets Kid Blake Smith. Kid Blake Smith, who mm. it turns out is maybe a mutant after all. I know that you know there was a thing before that said that he wasn't, but he has some like sensitivity to psychic things going on around him. He was uh, he read as uncategorizable on a gene scanner. So who knows? Mm. And, you know, she goes through the founding of the Ascani, which l- translates to outsiders with a small group of ragtag go-getters, right? There's Hark, who's a werewolf, Lexi with two eyes, who's a part of a clone hive mind where everyone else died. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right? How sad. The hive mind and everyone's... Oh. Everyone else is dead? Yeah. Okay. Ozana, who who they call an antique transynthesoid, whatever the fuck that means, you know, just robot person. And then Quo, who's an Atlantean, but only kind of, like, made of water. (laughs) Okay. And then there's also this sort of, like, extra organization going on called the Order of Witnesses, which was... If you, uh, it was founded by a mutant called the Witness who wanted to atone. Hint, hint, Gambit, the Witness in the Days of Future or in in uh, Bishop's timeline. But this sort of connects Cable's timeline to Bishop's timeline, which you know through the, with the Witness as the through line, mm-hmm. which kind of has also been connected to Days of Future Past through the 2000s X-Factor run with Layla Miller in the future and seeing the Summer's Rebellion and all that. Mm -hmm. So I accept that these are all different timelines because points in history wildly diverging, blah, blah, blah. But we're getting a grand unified theory of X-Men future. Anyway, the Order of Witnesses are all rambling about the blood of the Twelve. <laughs> Great. Perfect oh, timing, guys. Good. Yep. <laughs> and they send this guy, Diogenes, to to sort of spy on slash witness, I suppose, whatever's going on with the Ascani. Chever and his, uh, is there, as is his sister, Luminesca. Chever is still a pre- prelate of Apocalypse, but he's kind of like, eh, about it. But Luminesca is way more like gung ho. They go and slaughter the order of the witnesses, including a sanctity, or well, I guess not sanctity. Do you remember sanctity? She is the rogue member of the Ascani who went crazy and and did a bunch of like villain shit, and is also a daughter of the Trask family. She's Tanya Trask, who had time warping powers. Mm. Anyway. Her, as a child, is with the Order of Witnesses, and she manages to get rescued by the Ascanis when they all get slaughtered. Anyway, the the main sort of, like, you know, number two of Apocalypse is this uh, character named Nero. We're going real, you know, historical here with Nero and Diogenes, real, real uh, Roman hours here, but... Um, uh, oh, and there's another character named Voltaire with a Y. Go figure. Ooh, that's very 90s. Yeah, not not Roman, but, you know, we're really getting into these uh, philosophical and historical references. Yeah, so 
they had a climactic fight earlier, uh, Rachel did, but has a second one here, nearly dies a second time, merges her timeline selves together in the fight and real- remembers that she broke free of the time stream on purpose. And she's she realizes that to save the past, she had to alter the future, which is an interesting take on the usual time travel trope of in order to save the future, we have to change the past. Yeah. And so Nero is this like mutant vampire, basically whose power is that when she kills another mutant, she gets their powers. Some real mega man shit. Yeah. (laughs) And so obviously she wants to kill Rachel to get access to the Phoenix force because Rachel still has like some echo or glimmer of the Phoenix force at this point. Rachel's like, I'll just give it to you. But Nero isn't strong enough to control it. It burns out <laughs> all of Nero's powers. And then Nero just kind of fucks off. Or no, the, the, Phoenix, I'm sorry, the Phoenix Force just kind of fucks off. So it won't be part of, you know, it can't be your deus ex machina for any other stories in this timeline. Right. And one of the, the bummers is, I was hoping to tell this on our last pod because this is the exact same resolution as the deluge storyline from x-men the hidden years (laughs) just had the i had this exact plot happen twice in the same reading which is fine this is also every other story right like oh we're going to you know defeat the villain and save our moral culpability by giving them exactly what they want and having it turn bad on them. You know, they are overloaded by power, et cetera, et cetera. You can't handle the power. (laughs) Exactly. And the epilogue is like uh, Rachel walking around and being like, I'm really unsettled by the way everybody's taking all this Ascani stuff. I wanted to start a revolution, not a religion. Mm. But I guess we'll have to wait for, you know, uh, my brother, essentially. And they all think she's talking metaphorically, but no, it's her actual ass brother. <laughs> okay, last one here. Ex-babies were born. Ah, yes. There's an accident in the danger playpen, which leaves... Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm jumping straight into it. If the readers don't know, ex-babies are baby versions of the X-Men created by Mojo. Yeah, I was going to say it's a Mojo channel, right? Yeah, and they've since, like, you know, fought for their freedom, and they are not controlled by Mojo anymore. But, you know, within the Mojoverse, et cetera, et cetera. And, but they're all, because they were made during the Australia era, it is the cast of the Australia era X-Men with their own, you know, with, like, appearances from that time. So, Psychild, a.k.a. Psylocke Baby, is her original Betsy Braddock pink on purple appearance. Anyway, she has a poor reaction with rogues powers. She gets, she basically starts breaking down and gets, turns into a, like just a bunch of goo and they have to put her in a jar. So they all travel back to the area that Mojo still holds some control of to get her fixed because Mojo created her. The civil war between the Longslot Dazzler faction and the Mojo faction continues to wage. It's framed as a media war, which is very interesting. They go to find the librarians who helped us oppose the book burnings, you know, and stuff like that. And they're like, 
oh man, we have to read all these books. It's so much harder than watching TV. Anyway, to fight back, Mojo has created basically the Avengers babies called the Mighty, M-I-T-E-Y, Avengers with an apostrophe. So the Mighty Avengers are Iron Ace, Big Boy, a.k.a. Giant Man, Wisp instead of Wasp, Thunder Sun, Captain America Kid, and Hockey. I was real bummed that they didn't go for Hot Guy. But how, oh, how the could they first. have known? I know, right? <laughs> and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's typical Marvel. They fight each other and then team up against Mojo. In the process, Psy Child gets transformed into her Japanese body. Shadow Kitty, who <laughs> caused the accident in the first place, saves the day. And then there's a a last page stinger where Mojo has created an army of villain babies, Doom, Green Goblin, Apocalypse, Red Skull, Kingpin, Lizard, Craven, Electro, Molecule Man, Sinister Thanos, Brood, Venom, Bullseye, and Mephisto babies. Those are not small names. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> wow, man. It's so funny. Like, looking back at something like this where it's like you have all these big names but then if you go at it with like modern continuity you're like okay so if a baby <laughs> venom exists that means <laughs> all these other things okay 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 and then so if you have a baby mephisto is he one of the 616 mephistos <laughs> on the council of red <laughs> does apocalypse have mutant magic Right. <laughs> there is, oh, I forget his wife's name. Is there is there a fucking, Genesis? Is there is there a baby Genesis right. on the other side of the on another channel? Just waiting. <laughs> Wild. Yeah. Is baby Doom on the Council of Dooms? Oh. <laughs> baby God Doom. Ah! Oh my gosh. Anyway, Sandman. So Sandman. So, all right. So last time we covered Sandman, we completed everything that season one of Netflix would cover. Yes. The last volume was just a few side stories, basically. Just super fun. Yeah. Midsummer Night's Dream and all that kind of stuff. So now we're diving into vastly uncharted territory. So like, even if people's first experience with Sandman was the Netflix show and they're like, let me go check out the comic. This is all brand brand new. Yep. This is also and has been for a while very uncharted territory for me. (laughs) This being again, my third time starting Sandman and now pushing through it and um, yeah, this has been this has been fun. So we are covering eight issues which was basically one arc yeah it's it starts and ends with the same it's like bookended Mm -hmm. by a for a foreshadowing and a conclusion yes and it is a new member of the endless family who we hadn't met yet yeah wandering through his garden yeah we get to we get to meet almost all of the endless yes the siblings of the endless and they all start excited by that yeah. <laughs> yeah. So prior to this, we'd met obviously Dream and then Death and then Desire and Despair. And here we get to meet Destiny and then Delirium, who 
is is revealed used to be delight, but some <sighs> traumatic shit happened and she lost it. Yeah. And another really fun thing that happens also later, but is really exemplified here. Everyone has a different font or speech bubble or like yes. something with how they represent it. And it's super fun. Mm-hmm. Different lettering. Yeah. Yeah. Different, different, different lettering, different speech bubbles. Like Dream's speech bubbles are all black background, white text, and mm-hmm. super wavy bubbles. And then you get desire and it's like all italics and kind of jagged. It mm-hmm. almost looks like the chiller font. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> from Microsoft Word. <laughs> yeah. And then Destiny. Destiny is like, quote, is just italic and like the most straightforward. Well, death is, I'd say, the most straightforward. There's almost no embellishment at all. Yeah, there's, yeah, there, yeah, I don't think there is any embellishment for for death. Yeah. And then delirium is like throughout her page and her speech bubbles starts in like pinks and, 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 and reds turns to purples, turns to oranges and ends in blues. And that's like, and it's all, it's also wavy. Yeah. Changing like it, it, sizes. Yeah. It, some, some letters are bold. The, mm-hmm. the cha- it ranges from like eight to like 16 point mm-hmm. font. And yeah. also their uh, speech bubbles are, Wavy and not as jagged as dreams. And then the last one is despair that we meet. Despair's speech bubble is super jagged, much like, uh, I feel like Apocalypse is kind of like this. Or Thanos. Mm. Thanos' speech bubbles are like this. And then nothing different about their text. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so something goes down. Destiny is looking in his book of destiny, hanging out in the realm of destiny. (laughs) And then the three fates meet up with him. They're like, hey, something's about to go down. Uh, you should check your book. And he's like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. So he checks his book and he's like, oh, crap. I need to summon the endless. And this mm-hmm. is the first time they have met in like 300 or 600 yeah. years. Their first family reunion sends the seventh member of the endless who we do not meet here and do not know their name. They're only ever yeah. referred to as the prodigal. $60 says it starts with a D, though. <laughs> yeah, I Tell think that's what. a safe bet. Uh, <laughs> do you want to take any guesses as to what, what the D stands for? Oh, I mean, we have destiny. So destiny, dream, death, delirium, despair, desire. They're all, those are all like such concepts. So like destruction, I feel like is not mm. a good one. Mm. Oh, man. I do want to take a guess. I just don't know what it would. Uh, I know they're on self-exile. How about dance? No. <laughs> I love. Oh God, I love. Delirium used to be delight. Delight, which is super interesting to me. For yes. like, makes me think of like. I feel like delight used to be the thing, and then the sixties happened. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> and like just drugs everywhere and then the war on drugs and dr- and like yeah. delight became this escape that mm. people could only get to by you know shooting up or like sure. any sort of drug and so it became this like 
negative stigma. And so Delight had to, like, was forced to change because of how we, right. as humans, as a society, mm-hmm. viewed how to become delighted. Yeah. And so then you get delirium. Yes. So if these are aspects of humanity, what are we missing that we <laughs> used to have that a self-exile would show in people? Hmm. So, and I was trying to think of something like, like a, like something like religious. Oh yeah. So I was thinking like, like it couldn't be deity. Right. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. But like something that like we used to be so good at like hmm. worshiping faith and That's the an world has become one. so melting potty and, and different right. that it's just not practiced anymore. Mm. So I don't know. Cause it, and that kind of gets mentioned later in the story of just like, yes, the role of gods in people's lives yeah. has changed so much. Yeah. Or maybe like, uh, no, it couldn't be like a vanity thing. Uh, yeah, I don't, I legitimately <laughs> have no idea. I have ideas of what concepts they could be, but yeah. like, but not a D word that, that <laughs> accurately portrays it. Right. Ah, uh, uh, damn it. Now I want to know. <laughs> well, you'll, you'll find out before the end of the series. That checks out. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So I'm struggling with our review of this because I really do want people to read this. This yes. is kind of how I feel about like going over Immortal Hulk with you. Cause oh, yeah. I do want you to read Immortal Hulk at some point. And so like, I don't dive into s- extreme detail. Sure, that's totally. also not how we do our pod. So. <laughs> we can, we can, we can jump th- through more, more quickly. One thing that I wanted to point out here. So basically they have a family reunion because his book says that there's going to be a family reunion and things have to happen that uh-huh. that will happen during the family reunion. There's like a little character profile on each of the endless. One thing that I thought was interesting also for Delirium is that it says, some say the tragedy of Delirium is her knowledge that despite being older than sons, older than gods, she is forever the younger youngest of the endless mm. who do not measure time as we measure time or see the world's worlds through mortal eyes. And I feel like this is the exact same that Neil Gaiman reused this as this uh, sort of characteristic for uh Sprite for Sprite in of the Eternals. The, yeah. In the Eternals. Absolutely. Because Sprite was not one of the original batches of the original batch of the Eternals. Neil Gaiman inve- uh, created Sprite for his run. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, and they're they're both the youngest and short redhead. Yeah. <laughs> they both have short mm-hmm. red hair. Yeah, interesting. And I, I just like conceptually, I love that like desire and despair are twins. Yes. Because they're very much this two different yes, sides of the same coin. Absolutely. That is such a cool detail. And just uh, it's just like this is not a book written on no, a book. no. You know, every <laughs> every because okay, like where I'm going with that is like there's definitely 
I think we've both read some Marvel mm-hmm. stories <laughs> where they did not know where they're going. Yeah, they're just like, I want this cool shit to happen. I want to see what happens. And those are fun. Like, I don't want to discount that as a method of telling stories yeah. or a reason to write. Like, it just it makes continuity hard. And it, and it also, <laughs> like, it limits how much you can say with meaning. You know, or like how much mm-hmm. the story mm-hmm. can act, how much of an impact it can have when like the reason for making it was just like, I don't know, this seems cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and like you have these little aspects like delirium being the youngest. And it's, see, I thought delirium being the youngest was because delirium became delirium mm. and not necessarily just that her character was the right. youngest. I just thought conceptually delirium was the right. youngest. But, they he kind of details here. It was just like, no, like, even though she is of the endless and is, you know, one of the oldest beings yeah. ever, she's still considered the baby yeah. of the group. Things like that, that like Gaiman doesn't have to come back to it if he doesn't right. want to. But he, <laughs> but he's cool referenced and rich it. And idea a, that, yeah. yeah. He's established it. And that's a thing. And like each of these six characters that we get, feel yes they feel well thought out like we've gotten a good amount of time with desire and like explaining Mm -hmm. what desire is how they present themselves and that like desire is no gender because desire is just the thought of wanting something and there are people who want men there are people who want women so (laughs) (laughs) so desire is going to be both and despair and just like the fact that he's Desire is opposite. And so he's like short and fat and kind of looks like a sumo wrestler. And 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 like pre- presentation wise, you have like destiny and kind of just looks, he's just, there's nothing like defining about him. And then like he spends like 10 pages like exploring the the um destiny's realm yeah. and like what it represents, but how like it's all possible paths, but once you walk it and you look back, you only receive yeah. one path. And it's like just those kind of concepts are just so much fun that he's like, oh yeah, this is a totally. thing. And we're never gonna come back <laughs> to this. Or we might come back to this. Who knows? Yeah. But like he spent he gives each aspect or each character time to let people know that these are full characters. They're not, mm-hmm. no one is a cameo, yeah. even if they yeah. might be. And that's just so much fun. So let's get on a little bit of spoilers here again. Read, yeah, yeah, yeah. We kind of have to in order yeah. to move forward. Read, read the book. And if you do read the book, or if you haven't yet, stop here. But the thing <laughs> that, you know, is preordained or has to happen or destined or whatever that, Destiny calls the meeting for is basically re- revealed to be Desire talking some shit, saying, "Hey, what's up with that Nada girl that you banished to hell for turning you down?" Dream gets really angry and you know goes to pout. Death comes up and you know talks him down, but in the midst of doing so, is like, "Yeah, you did a fucked up thing. Like that was terrible." That was 10,000 years ago. 10,000 years. Like, <laughs> she, like she, she wronged you once and you're going to damn her to hell for the rest of eternity? Yeah. Come on, buddy. Yeah, just because it not even wronged you, just turned you down. Like, Right. She denied yeah. you. What a 
Yeah, what a supremely fucked up thing to do. So anyway, he's like, all right, if you think that this is the wrong thing to do, then I believe you and I can't let this continue to happen. I will go to hell and I will ask for her freedom, even though this is very dangerous for me to do right now. My powers are low. The, the lords of hell are very mad at me because of, you know, the things that happened in the first plot. I may die, which is apparently possible for the endless. <laughs> but you know what? This is I'm because of who I am. I have to go and right my wrongs, basically. Mm-hmm. This is another conceptual thing that stood out to me that I should have said something a little bit earlier. But when death first shows up at that, dinner and she's like in like the clothes mm-hmm. that she wants to wear destiny's like could you like so dress for the occasion please and then it's just the next cell she's in her other yep. clothes like there's no like transformation or anything it's just like fine this is how you want to conceptually see me here yeah. you go and so like because we we talked about this and in, in other times we've covered the book of just like how dream is seen by mm-hmm. others and yes everyone sees dream differently. And so he is drawn differently in like different clothes Mm -hmm. and stuff or completely different physical appearance even. mm -hmm. And this happens multiple times, just in, even in these eight issues, uh, just like the person, the people who want, who like see him, like Nada sees him. Mm -hmm. And then he looks like Kai cool. She calls uh, how he looked. He's black and yeah. yeah. Kai cool. Yeah, and he he appears again as that uh, Afri- that black guy with the fro and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, and like it's never like talked about like yeah. directly. Yeah, of just like this is how you see me, right? But like it's such a running theme. It just kind of like just yes, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Dream is like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> I might die. He he gathers all, you know, the denizens of, of the dream world and is like, just FYI, like, I'm putting certain preparations in place, you know, in the event of my death. We don't want to be taken unaware again, but also, you know, from when I was captured, like, we don't want something like that to happen again. But that also means, like, I expect you all not to run off and, and let this place turn to shit. Like, come on, be adults. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was, yeah. Gosh, just great things here and there, man. (laughs) Like, there's just, like, two-page scenes that I could just gush on for, like, ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah, like, he sends Kane to announce him, and because... Oh, that was cool. Right? And, like... Because of the mark of Cain from from the Bible, where, you know, basically, God marks Cain so that no one can attack him in he's basically safe from retribution after committing the first murder and this also protects him from lucifer and makes him a a suitable messenger to lucifer down in hell because uh you know this is this is somebody who dream knows that he can send without risking their life (laughs) such a cool detail it's yeah just random shit like that so awesome other scenes happen that are all equally cool. And then dream descends down into hell and hell's like, Hey, hell, Lucifer's going to come down. Shit's about to go down. Yeah. 
Jim shows up in hell and yeah so we're we're prepared for this like giant climactic like crazy thing right like and it's just empty hell seems to be completely empty no demons no damned souls nothing and he goes to where nada was she's not there and then he comes across lucifer and this was like hey <laughs> close up shop you want to you want to help me uh escort the rest of the the last like two souls that are still in hell out yeah and june's like oh, what sure <laughs> so they kind of get like a little tour around hell and yeah. lucifer's like yeah i'm sure sh- I'm, I, I quit <laughs> and then it kind of gives i mean that's we we have to talk about that in order to yes. keep going but like yes. yeah lucifer is just like yeah i'm i'm done something about the last time we talked two years ago made me realize that i don't have to stay here <laughs> <laughs> i'm out such a concept oh man <laughs> i think this might have been preparing lucifer for his spinoff series which was oh. also yeah mm-hmm. But yeah, oh man. So there's this monologue from Lucifer that is one of the greatest, yeah. like, eye opening hell speeches. Yes, <laughs> go, go for I've it. Ever seen where <laughs> Lucifer is just like, why, why? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and like, of all all the mortals, why why do they blame me for their little failings? And he just goes off. He's just like they use my name as if I spend my entire day sitting on their shoulders, forcing them to commit acts they would otherwise find repulsive. The devil made me do it. I have never made one of them do it. <laughs> never. They live their own lives. I do not live their lives for them. And then they die and they come here having transgressed against what they believe to be right and expect us to fulfill their desire for pain and retribution. I don't make them come here. <laughs> they talk <laughs> They talk of me going around and buying souls like a fishwife come market day, never stopping to ask themselves why. I don't need souls. <laughs> How can someone own a soul? What the fuck? <laughs> no, they belong to themselves. They just hate to have to face up to it. Incredible. It's like, what? Like, even Marvel. <laughs> Mar- <laughs> Mephisto goes around making deals all the damn time. Yep. And, and in this reality, you have Lucifer just being like, dude, I literally just live here. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah, it's so cool. It's so cool. Like it's such a without specifically saying it, it's such a like don't be an asshole. <laughs> it's it's a real like like existentialist hell in a kind of yeah, way. <laughs> right? And then so like on top of that it's just like the the I'm just the like doorkeeper you yeah. guys come to me and blame me all the time i don't do shit <laughs> yeah. i don't like he's been around for millennia yeah you think you, you think he's gonna care about this 14 year old 36 year old person right. that's going and doing something you're you're around for the blink of, he's had farts that last longer than your life <laughs> and you want to 
<laughs> you you will you want to blame him for these things? That's totally. wild. That's like flies blaming us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For for the person that they land landed. On. <laughs> Absolutely. That's insane. Yes. That's so it's so cool. So okay. I, while I was reading these first couple of issues, I started spiraling in my head. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it's just making, so our conversation multiple times about conceptualizing these mm-hmm. characters and like how mm-hmm. we perceive them. And yada, yada, yeah. Yada. And in this, there's very, it seems to be very much that there's one hell. Mm-hmm. And and, and an actual heaven, right? Like, and yeah. And a mm-hmm. one heaven. Of that place. It, they call it like, yeah, they call it that place. The they city call it the Silver that, City. Yeah. yeah. Where the angels live and they all report yeah. to the, the one and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started feeling like this is a huge difference between, this is DC adjacent, but I'm just going to say DC. <laughs> yeah. So like the difference between the DC afterlife and the Marvel mm. afterlife, especially the hells, it, it seems like this hell there's only one and then every being conceptualizes or believes in their own versions of hell but it's just how you see this one hell right it seems like this is like the the bowl that is hell and then everyone <laughs> else puts a different liquid into it <laughs> uh-huh. and that's how they like perceive hell and so like versus in marvel there's 13 hells right. <laughs> and they all have a different hell lord hella has one mephisto has one right. like everyone kind of blasco like they all yeah. exist coexist right it's 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 sort of like they because both both sandman and marvel have this sort of like conception of right like all of these mythologies are sort of co-equal. They can coexist and we can kind of like have this binding idea Mm -hmm. that can contain all of them. But in Marvel, it's just like, they're all kind of like stapled on top of each other. And it's like, well, we have this and we have this and we have this and we have this. And in Sandman, it's like, no, these all serve like a purpose and a function of belief. And yeah, yeah. I'm not talking specifically about hell, but also like gods, you know, like mm, all yeah. all of the mythologies. Like right. like like Marvel has, as we'll see later in this, you know, Marvel has like Greek pantheon and uh Norse pantheon and Egyptian mm-hmm. pantheon and all these things. And they just kind of like they all exist because they're like useful information like places to tell stories from. And not because they like there's like a, a unified like story function that they mm-hmm. all that they all kind of revolve around. Right. Or there is so, sometimes, but it's kind of like added after the fact. Yeah. So like I was kind of having fun like having this very distinct differentiation between yeah. the two. Yeah. <laughs> But before I could even like solidify this thought process, <laughs> it gets shot right back into my face in uh-huh. like the next issues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but I was, dude, I was just like losing because like this is the hell. And like 
it became a triumvirate between Beelzebub, uh, Azazel, and yeah, and Lucifer, and th- it seemed like this is the only hell that exists. This is like mm-hmm. it, it was like there was people of all different walks of life, and that and like that's kind of what Lucifer is like referring to. Just like yeah. everyone everywhere blames me or talks about how they gave me something or whatever, but like. I don't do shit. They just show up here. Yeah. And hell then, is a place for these conflicted souls who feel like they have to, you know, atone. And then what blew my mind was the depiction of the souls in hell. They come up with what they think their punishment is and they beg for it. Yes. Like, it's not it's not these demons or lucifer being like because you did this this is your punishment it's the soul of the person comes down to hell and says i deserve this form of punishment uh-huh. in hell yeah and so hell's like okay <laughs> right here you go it's oh man it makes it gives so much more responsibility and onus on us on people yes um like how you envision hell is exactly how it's gonna be and also it kind of goes back to to the the point that the endless keep going back to which is like we serve them they don't Mm -hmm. serve us Mm -hmm. right like ultimately consciousness is the the end-all be-all you know the not just humans but you know, all conscious beings, like it, it's our experiences that basically create the universe around us and all of these deities and all of these endlesses and all of these, you know, mythological tropes are basically fulfilling aspects of our consciousness, including what happens to us after we die. Yeah. It's, oh man. I, it's just, it was so interesting to me. Yeah. This hell that, Demon has created in this yes. book. Yes. And then, yeah, so comic stuff happens, and then we have the key to hell and Lucifer's final departing act is to give basically the deed slash the key to hell to dream. And he's like, there you <laughs> go. And after that, I started spiraling again. I was just like, <laughs> what kind of hell is does dream make? Yeah. Because he's got he also has nightmares right you know in his dream realm yeah. so what goes to hell right he could just make a hell he could do the job as intended basically if he wanted yeah but he doesn't want to do that for yeah. obvious reasons seems like a good call i don't blame him i don't blame him at all <laughs> but then yeah so uh uh, uh so the next issue is the rest of this yeah. volume Sorry, real quick. There's one thing that we skipped over mm. that I have to go back to for reasons. But among the preparations that Dream makes before he makes his foray into hell, he goes and meets back up with uh, Lyda Hall. <laughs> yeah, from yeah. the from the last main story arc from Adal's house and her her kid Daniel, or he named it her kid who was conceived in the dreaming and gestated in the dreaming uh, from Lida's dead husband. He comes to visit 
and he names the kid Daniel. Or he says very matter-of-factly, because Lyda can't... <laughs> his name is Daniel. Yeah, Lyda can't <laughs> yeah, figure, can't out, a figure name. out a name. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, it's Daniel. Yeah, he... Yeah, there's a handful of scenes of Dream going and uh, t- tying up potential loose ends. Yeah. Kind of taking care of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he, he does the other meet which was really oh yeah cool. he he also um, hangs out with hop gadling and says yeah. i might be late he's like wait you're 92 years early or something yeah. like that and he's like yeah about that <laughs> yeah and then so we have it gets announced across reality that dream is now the deed owner to hell mm-hmm. and we have just a absolute pantheon of people yes who want who individually approach dream and and want to ask for the deed to the key to hell yep and it, it, it and and so they're they all they're all show up and 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 dream is like we're gonna have a banquet tonight since you're all fucking here yeah. i'll treat you guys well you will be under my protection no harm will come to any of you to tonight we feast tomorrow i will We'll make a decision as to who will get the key to hell. Do you want to run through the guest list here? I do. <laughs> so <laughs> we, oh God, dude, uh, this gets me. <laughs> I, knew, I knew, I knew that this volume would fucking. You know what pisses me off is okay. how many times we've talked about that my favorite mythologies oh, mm-hmm. are Norse and Egyptian mm-hmm. mythologies mm-hmm. and both get represented in this fucking story. <laughs> so so here's me with my whole thing about all all one hell only yeah. existing and and none of that other stuff. And then we get <laughs> Odin shows up and he's like Hey, Loki and Thor, let's go. We need to go and uh, vie for hell because I, I have desires for it. Yeah. And so now you have these Norse gods show up. And then you also have the uh, 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 some Egyptian gods show up. Speak, uh, specifically Anubis, the, mm-hmm. the Egyptian god of death. Mm-hmm. And Bast, yeah. Shows up with Bast, the lady of cats, who uh, has a history with Dream already. Go and figure. then... Right and and this little dwarf man named Bess, and then Susano no Mikoto uh, shows up from 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 Japanese mythology, from, and he's yeah. like, "Hey, I only came by myself, but but our pantheon has desires for hell. I would love mm-hmm. to get your the key." And then you have Azazel from the Triumvirate show up, from, yeah, with Merkin, who is the mother of spiders, just creepy, yeah, and Cronon. Cronenzon, the the guy that uh, had, did he have the mask? I think he had the mask. Yeah, that uh, Dream fought for the mask back in the first volume. Yep. And then you have representatives from Order and from Chaos. The two yes. like fucking the concepts of Order and Chaos are yes. characters in 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 this. Oh. And they're so weird. <laughs> I like screamed, I screamed or, but I muted my mic. Um, <laughs> or, order is just inside a cardboard box. Because what is could a be box. more? Order, or, well, yeah, because what could be more orderly than that? Right. Just <laughs> like uh, order is a box because <laughs> yeah. 
why the fuck like why not yeah and is being carried around by this like weird looking dude order is a box (laughs) order is a box when you need to get your life in order you go get a box (laughs) says the man who loves helping people move you yeah you move boxes (laughs) yep (laughs) oh my god and then i'm sorry and then um and then this little girl named jemmy who is the representative of chaos and Mm -hmm. she's as mentally chaotic as as anything yeah similar to delirium in a lot of ways yeah Uh, you you also have two angels yeah two representatives from the silver city silver city yeah remiel and luma and you also have two representatives from uh fairy the the fairy right they show up late who were introduced during the midsummer night's dream uh-huh. And, and all of them want hell for their own purposes. They all want hell. And they all have their own, like, you know, gifts and bribes and reasons and things that, you know, why they should be the one, basically. And they yeah. offer some pretty interesting and enticing things. Yeah, they really do. So, so oh God, so everyone gets announced and then they end the issue. Yeah. And in, in, in just the most, teasing form they're like hey so since hell has released all of the all of its souls and everything what's going on on earth and mm-hmm. they do an issue of like how the earth is doing which i love i've yeah. talked about this multiple times i want to see this continue on but yeah. that was the worst time <laughs> <laughs> and so you get you get basically this is where like hauntings come from and yeah like you have this boy in this boarding school and then all the people who have died at this school come back and they all know that they're dead and yeah. they're just chilling so and doing creepy. their own thing. It was, yeah, it's, it's very much a not innocent haunted house no. story. No, they're out to kill the living. Right? Yeah. Much, much like we saw different aspects of what the world was like when dream was captured. Mm-hmm. This is, that same, uh, similar thing of just like, what are some stories that we could tell in a world where hell is empty? <laughs> and and Dream calls, you know, his sister calls death for for help, deciding, you know, what to do with the the, the hell that he's just been given. And uh, death's like, I don't have time for you. The dead are coming back yeah, to life. She's like, she, yeah, she's like, bro, I am so busy right now are you yeah. fucking kidding me <laughs> there's so many just undead going on right now i gotta deal with this and so she's like yeah sorry bye and then so we have this banquet and you have just how all these different entities and deities and aspects just would act around each other and how they yes. interact and just great times. I highly recommend reading Thor, this. It's so Thor much fun. is just an uh horrendous like he's a meathead. Yeah. He's just Big, like he's bulky. He's enormous. He's got a tiny little hammer. I know it's adorable, but he can yeah. make it bigger by stroking it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does say that. Yo, he sure does. <laughs> and he's he's just an absolute creepazoid trying to hit on Bast. Mm-hmm. And Loki is trying to hook up with the fairy people, if I mm-hmm. remember correctly. And yeah, so everybody's just kind of like going wild. 
Yeah. So, you know, shenanigans are going down and great time. And then the night ends and each representative gets a chance to go and meet with Dream in private mm-hmm. to talk about what they can offer Dream as a, as payment for the key to hell. Yeah. And they all have very, very ranging in levels of enticing yeah. uh, payments. <laughs> and then they also talk about, some of them talk about why they want yes. hell. And just, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> God, and it's just like some of them was just. I love that some of them are just like the potential to have hell is enormous. I want it. Yeah. <laughs> While others are like, listen, I've got plans. I I, I need a I need a place to work from, and hell's gonna be awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Give me hell. Whereas like the demons are like, that was our home. We want the keys to our home. So yeah. give it. <laughs> the one so fast gets a gets a chance to specifically we're talking about this because it's been referenced but like Mm -hmm. bass talks to dream and she's like what we can offer is the location of the seventh endless yes i'm not going to give you their name i was like damn it um (laughs) (laughs) but we can offer that to you i know that he's missing or she is missing and i can tell you where they are as payment for giving us the key damn (laughs) It's pretty good. Yeah. Azazel's brigade offers Nada, however, uh-huh. and also offers Kronazon, the demon. Yeah. Nada and Kronazon, because Kronazon stole his 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 toy, yeah. and Nada stole his heart. Yeah. So we can give you both of them if you give it back to us. Yep. Thanks. Yeah. And then, so super interesting conversations. Again, this is like this is officially definitely worth a read. Please read this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the next morning comes, everyone starts to gather. Dream still hasn't made up his mind, and everyone poses compelling arguments. Oh, oh, this was an another mm-hmm. thing. All of these people, depending on where they came from, has very different speech bubbles as well. Yeah. Their their text and the their cadence and how they interact are all different and and I I, I love it like yeah. the angels all of their speech is in cursive yeah because of course it's in cursive right. <laughs> yeah Le- letterist is working overtime here seriously Susano no Mikoto his text looks a lot like just transformed kanji. Yeah, with the angles that he uses and almost like brush brush strokes. Yeah, calligraphic. Yeah, yeah, calligraphy. That's a great word I was looking for. <laughs> dream is dream, of course. The Egyptians, their text honestly looks like it could have come from like hieroglyphs. Yep. Like the 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 angular approach because when you're carving into stone you don't do curves <laughs> so like, <laughs> yeah. so like all of all of their text is super uh liney just it just ah it's such it's such cool detail and thought that you don't think about I, okay i will say i never <laughs> thought about if i were to be writing a comic yeah. These little details don't cross my mind until I see someone else do it. And I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. 
Yeah. Uh, so I guess, do we talk about who won? Sure. So Dream is like, I don't know who I'm going to give this to. And then, be, so the angels showed up as arbiters, as like watchers, yeah. as witness yep. to the transaction. So Dream is like, do you guys have any thoughts? Everyone poses quite the argument. And they're like, no, nah, we're just here to watch. And then while Remuel is saying that, the one yeah. speaks to him and it's just like, hey, so <laughs> you guys are going to get, are going to be the lords of of hell and you're going to get the key. And Remuel's super confused and hurt and it's just like, I don't understand. Like, I've, yeah. I've done everything that you wanted. This is how like I get punished for it. And then, and Numa's like, all right. And Remuel's yeah. like, well, I'm not going to let you do this on your own. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, and it, and so it's posed as like, you know, the one created hell and the one, you know, sent Lucifer down to look to Lord over hell. And so he's sending two more down to load over hell. It yeah. makes sense. And so this, Dream is this like, is a I mean, job for angels, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And Dream's like, okay, like yeah. <laughs> it's your place. If you yeah. want, if you want to dictate what you want to do with it, that's fine. Yeah. So he gives the key to the angels and uh, everyone else is spurned and hurt and f- of different, of varying levels. Yeah. That yeah. Was... <sighs> and, and so the, you know, Obviously, uh, it's it's more of conse- uh, of more consequence coming from Azazel because Azazel has Nada and is like, well, I can just eat her soul now. She's gone forever. You're fucked. He basically screws up, renounces Dream's hospitality, and uh, Dream just completely destroys him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and is able is able to recover Nada anyway. Yeah, with little effort. Yeah. Like cells worth of effort. Yeah. <laughs> I love <laughs> Not it. Not even an entire page. <laughs> yeah. When a conflict like that is like built up and then it's just like, no, I'm dreaming. <laughs> right. Then the, the there's a resolution to Nada's story, yeah. which I think I'd rather people read. Yeah. Than like. Makes sense. Detail into, but. That was beautiful. And outside yeah. it, I didn't know Dream could do that, but that's right. cool. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like strings had to be pulled, which <laughs> I think he was probably felt was worth it. Right. Yeah. And then it it ends with Destiny looking back at his book and being like, okay, the things <laughs> happened. Yeah. <laughs> and as he closes up, and then who knows what happens in the next issue because I did not read it. <laughs> yep, this is where we stop this reading, and uh, yeah. the next plot arc is in the next book. How 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 far does Sandman go? How many issues, Sandman? Uh, seventy five. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we're we're going through it. Yeah. Okay. Well, so next episode, next yeah, next thing, next time. I've got I've got a few things. I've got like the Marvels Volume Two. I've got oh, cool. I have this uh, Spider-Man 2099. We we briefly talked about it in Uh an episode of an interview that's going to air in December. We'll see what happens there. And then I also have a ghostwriter. Okay. Which is Johnny Blaze, you know, post King of Hell back to just being ghostwriter because Robbie Reyes is busy being the all writer in across the multiverse. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because Jason Aaron's weird. But I also have 
Reckoning War coming up. And oh. the second and the part two, Reckoning War part two coming up. And the new Black Panther volume two coming up, which I'm less excited about, but I'm hoping it's going to be better. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm, I'm probably going to stop at like four, but I've got like two okay. or three weeks worth of right. books that have come out. Yeah. And those are all only like one or two per week. And so I'll, I'll figure something out okay. to hopefully put together a nice episode. <laughs> cool. I, I might do the 12 next episode. I, I could, I could do one more episode before the 12 or I could just do the 12. I'm not really sure. All right. Well, I guess oh, that's on me. So I guess with that, <laughs> <laughs> we can, let's put the outro music here and then. So that was. <laughs> yeah.